You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Very important. Yes, I agree. You're basically Jesus. Well, maybe not quite there, but pretty darn close. Yeah. Not white than about it. Look, this is the one night this week it's not going to. Very good point. Very good point. Perfect night to do a pod. You mean like the Foreign Affair podcast? That was too easy. You set him up, I knock him down. That's my colleague in crime, Wes Bradshaw. I am Edward Green. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us here on episode 105 of the A Foreign Affair podcast, where we break down the final important weekend of the Premier League, where leads were lost, fisticuffs were thrown, and a champion was crowned. We also have a Champions League recap to do, a Europa League recap to do, news and notes. The other big story of the day, which I'm sure Wes and I will have no pleasure, no pleasure in doing. We, we would never, ever mock and make fun of the NFL in anything that they do. So we'll have no pleasure in going through our other big story of the week. And of course, we'll end the show with Watch 4 and So Raw. But Wes... Uh, not a not a great weekend of football for either of us, I suppose. Well, luckily mine didn't matter anymore, really. Yeah. After what you know, I, my, I, I've basically become a Thursday warrior. Yes. Um, well, for one more Thursday, and then pray to God one more Saturday. Yes. <laughs> oh, we'll obviously get to that a little later, but um, and you know they they say that all good things must come to an end. And unfortunately for for you and many others, um, a fantastic uh, chase for the championship has come to an end for Tottenham Hotspur as we have crowned our 2015-2016 Barclays Premier League champions. Um, the team, of course, I predicted to finish 19th this year. Yes, you did. Uh, the Foxes of Leicester City. Oh, you picked them 19th. I picked them 17th. Most pundits probably picked them to uh, be relegated, and they most certainly were not. As I'm sure no doubt you have all heard, the 5,000-to-1 long shots, Leicester City, have won the Barclays Premier League with two weekends to spare. Um, We are going to go through that now as we go through the entire weekend of the Barclays Premier League, some matches matching just a little bit more than others. Uh, We start with Everton 2 AFC Bournemouth won, of course. Speaking of not mattering. <laughs> yes, very much so. Uh, this was, of course, you know, the the 
reverse fixture of what was one of the great matches this season. Of course, Everton versus Bournemouth at the Vitality was absolutely breathtaking to watch, but it was a latent Baines winner in the second half that secured three points for what, for now, are the Roberto Martinez side. We'll see if that continues later on. I kind of doubt in the next few weeks it will. Um, in a in a absolutely vital match, we joked about Everton Bournemouth. This one actually was very important. Newcastle won. Crystal Palace nil. Palace, with the FA Cup final looming in a few weeks, have basically thrown out the rest of this Barclays Premier League season, it seems like. And Newcastle get a gigantic three points, a free kick uh, from Andrus Townsend. Some some Spur did something right this past weekend. Was enough for all three points for Newcastle. And, of course, a gigantic Huge. I can't overstate this enough how big this was. A penalty saved by Carl Darlow in the waning moments of the match preserved the three points for Newcastle. And how big could that be going forward? Especially when you take into account another result. Stoke won. Sunderland won. Speaking of penalties, Stoke uh, got out early about halfway through the match with a Marco Arnautovic goal, but in the final minute of play, Jeff Cameron, America's Jeff Cameron, fouled Jermaine Defoe in the box. Defoe came up, took the penalty, and battered it in for Sunderland. They snag a point at the death against the Potters at the Britannia, and that could be vital for Big Sam's side in their relegation scrap. Watford 3, Aston Villa 2. The Villains had leads twice, yes, twice against Watford, and unfortunately let it succumb both times. Uh, the last two goals for Watford coming in the final five minutes, both by the great Troy Deeney. He has come back to life, and he got a big win for Kike Flores' side there as they are looking to right what has been a fairly down second half of the season after getting bounced out of the FA Cup semifinals. West Brom nil, West Ham Three, a Merck Noble brace was one that may have put West Ham just a little bit closer to European competition next year as they still try to fight for that fifth place slot. It does look like sixth place is going to be also a Europa League spot. Hell, seventh place might be a Europa League spot. But West Ham, uh, Wes are putting a very good end to the final season at the bowling ground. Agreed. Um... You know, uh, that's a fan base that has uh, suffered through a lot. I mean, they had a relegation, I believe, in the last five years. Um, made their way back, and here they are. Uh, not only in the top half of the Premier League, but uh, in a European spot with just a couple of matches left to go. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly not a, a pretty match. But it was uh, effective nonetheless in gaining three points as Arsenal won. Norwich City was the 12-30 match. Danny Welbeck, it's Welb's team now. He scores in the 59th minute to give Arsenal the three points. Both teams putting up double-digit shots, uh, three shots on goal apiece. And Wes, uh, though unfortunately for, I think, Arsenal, the most notable thing, though, to come out of this match was the 
10% of fans, it didn't seem like much more, that uh, that held a protest during the match calling for Vanger out. But uh, it actually looked like a lot more of the Emirates were in favor of keeping uh, Arsene on the sidelines. Well, Ed, I mean, Arsenal right there where they where they usually are at this point in the season in a trophy battle. That's right. A fourth place trophy still up for grabs. Hey, that's, that's, I'm not going to say too much since they could still kind of finish second. Ah, come on, City. Um, but, I mean, what, what what did you make of this? I mean, you know, for, for vastly different uh, reasons, of course, Liverpool had their own sort of protest in the stadium during a match a couple months ago and again vastly different reasons that one was about ticket prices um but it seemed like a very small segment of of the the fan base there again at the emirates was the ones doing it 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 looked like in the lead up it was gonna be this gigantic protest and then like a handful of people ended up doing it um do they just look foolish in our respect I mean, even though we kind of sort of agree with their point of view a little bit? Well, hey, they're Arsenal fans, so, you know, take from it what you will. That's fair. Um, you know, B, I, I mean, does this does this mean that only a small percentage actually want Wenger gone and the rest are, you know, okay with him? I just, I just think there's a lot of uncertainty sitting around Arsenal right now because, you know, there's obviously this group of fans who feel, you know, well, if we get rid of Wenger, you know, it'll fire us up toward a title and we'll, you know, have a chance to win Europe. But then there's another group of fans who are like, but wait a minute, we could become Manchester United. Oh, yeah. And, and that's not a shot at United. For once, it's not a shot at United. But, of course, what that means is, you know, you lose a legendary to the club manager and you basically go into the wilderness for a time. And the thing is, you know, here's the deal. Once you go into the wilderness, and we're seeing that, you know, this could definitely be true in the Premier League now since, you know, we've talked about the big money. Once you go into the wilderness, there's no guarantee that mm-hmm. you ever really could make it back. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you look at Liverpool right now, you know, Liverpool are... Yeah, I, I believe we have the right manager in Jurgen Klopp, and I believe next season will be a more accurate portrayal of that. But, you know, you look at Liverpool squad that, you know, pretty much since Rafa Benitez left, you know, we, we've got one top four finish, and the rest of it we've kind of been out in that wilderness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Arsenal, I think a lot of Arsenal fans are, you know, I think they, they want to take that next step, but a lot of them are more afraid maybe of taking a step back. Does the board look at this past match on Saturday and, and look at the more overwhelming support towards keeping Wenger and decide at the end of the season that it, it would be more prudent to keep him on? Although, I, I don't also think that the board from what we keep hearing, it really seems like they want to get rid of him. It seems more like if, if, if there was a bigger mob of people that really wanted Wenger out, then maybe they do it. But A, I don't think they really want to get rid of him. B, as you've said on past weeks in the podcast, they don't want to set the club back because who else are you going to get? And C, um, I, I think they'll see that they've seen this past weekend that the vast majority of the fans don't actually want them to get rid of him. 
Well, now, as far as the board goes, let's do this out here. The fans are not going to uh, sway the board. Okay. I fully, I fully believe that. You know, the board is going to do what they want to do. And here's the thing right now. I think the only way that Vinger is in any trouble at the in, in two or three weeks is if somehow they fall out of that Champions League spot. And even then, I'm not willing to say that they will make a change. Because, you know, here's the thing for Arsenal. You know, you've got fans screaming, oh, you need to spend money. Oh, we need to do this. Oh, we need to do that. The board, the board, and I believe it's Stan Kroenke, aren't, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about trophies to them. Mm -hmm. It's about bottom lines and profit margins. And you know what Arsene Wenger does? He gets you in the Champions League every year, and he keeps that money flowing. Mm Mm-hmm. And like, and like I say, you know, we talk about going to the wilderness. To me, that's the biggest thing that the ownership and the board don't want to happen is to suddenly start missing the Champions League and missing out on that money. So, uh, sadly, you know, we as fans want it to always be about passion right. and want it to be about trophies. I, I just, I think Arsenal, maybe fortunately in one side or unfortunately on another side, they're faced with a dilemma right now that they're a club who's just a rung below being a real champion contender. Um, but their board, as long as they're raking in the big cash, the board doesn't really see the need to invest the extra to push them over the hump. Yeah, and uh, as, as for Arsenal missing the title, of course we'll take a look at the table a little bit later, but it would take at this point an absolutely monumental collapse for them to actually finish below fourth place, um, and they would they would need a lot of a lot of things to go wrong for that to actually happen. They're currently seven points clear of Manchester United in fifth. Um, with United does have match in hand. So that could come into play, but Arsenal basically just needs to beat Manchester City to lock that up. Um, will they? Who knows? Um, as for your Sunday results from the Barclays Premier League, it was Swansea 3, Liverpool 1. The Swans get a brace from Andre Ayew. Uh, Liverpool with the goal from Christian Benteke. He's Finally coming good, Wes. He is made to shine in the raininess of Swansea. And more serious notes uh, a little bit. There was a sending off in this match. Brad Smith on a double yellow. Uh, so it looks like his Barclays Premier League might be almost done. Of course, it will serve a one-match suspension uh, because of that. But uh, Wes, as, as, as tough as it is to lose a match like this, of course, you we have to imagine that... Jurgen Klopp had one eye towards uh, Villarreal on this coming Thursday. Well, obviously, I mean, if you look at the team sheet, I mean, you know, you had uh, off the top of my head. I mean, guys not even not even featured on the bench. You know, no Joe Allen, um, uh, no Roberto Firmino. I mean, there were there were a lot of guys who you know weren't even on the bench who normally would be starting. I mean, obviously, right now for Liverpool, the league is completely out of play. Um, <clears throat> I don't even really think right now Liverpool are worried about qualification for Europa next year. Um, I think right now, 100%, uh, as I said, you know, joking earlier, I'm a Thursday guy right now. I mean, 100% all eggs are in the basket of the Europa League. 
um, which of course we'll get to a little later. But you know, as you're listening to this the semifinal, it may be going on right now. I mean, that that's Liverpool season at this point. They're not going to finish above seventh at this point anyway. Um, so you know, backdoor backdoor getting into the Europa League. I mean, I just I don't I don't. If Liverpool don't win Europa and then don't get back into Europa next year, I don't think it's the end of the world at all for Liverpool. It might actually be, you know, it might actually not be a bad thing. Remember what mm-hmm. happened the last time we weren't in Europe? Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, it was obviously a young squad. And, you know, the other thing Klopp's being able to do right now with the way the run-in has been with our league position, you know, Klopp doesn't have pressure on him to have to play the starters. So he's been able to get kind of an extended look at some of our fringe players. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what he's been able to do, he's been able to see these guys not just, you know, um, playing in uh, the the league, cha- the league Cup or the FA Cup or something. He's getting to see them play actual Premier League matches. And with that, he's getting, he's getting to find out do I think these guys can help us in the Premier League? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of a blessing in disguise because, you know, if there's a big clear out this summer, you'll know why, because Klopp felt these guys weren't good enough. So, I mean, it's something to lose, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, that league result takes such a backseat to the second leg against Villarreal. It's, it's not even really worth talking that much about. All right, then we move on to Manchester United 1, Leicester City 1. What ends up being the clincher for the Foxes is a draw at Old Trafford. Uh, United opened the scoring on the back of Anthony Martial. Leicester uh, leveled it up just a little bit later on the head of Wes Morgan. Uh, There was some dodgy officiating this game, which is something we will talk about a little later as well. Uh, Mares might have had a penalty claim. Memphis Depay... If he was actually good at soccer, might have had a penalty claim uh, and really could have evened up things for United and kept this Premier League race alive. Instead, the game ends 1-1. And finally, on Sunday, it was Southampton 4, Manchester City 2. Speaking of a man who has one eye towards the midweek European competition, Manuel Pellegrini threw out a side, and that was not that strong. And Ronald Koeman and the Saints took hearty advantage. Sadio Mane, who is coming on like a house of fire at the end of the season here, with a hat trick against the Citizens, part of an amazing performance by them. And just to tie back into another story we talked about a little bit earlier, Wes, uh, that is actually a name that has been bandied about by a few people, that Ronald Koeman could be on his way to the Emirates, uh, which might be a good thing, might be a bad thing. It would suck for the Saints to to lose another good coach after a very short amount of time, uh, but he could end up being a good fit at the Emirates. You never know. Well, and, and right there with what you say, I mean, that's, <clears throat> that's got to be going through the heads of Arsenal fans when you come down to, should we get rid of Inger? You know, there was another, uh, yeah, the last time a legend left a club, you know, there was another guy from uh, a smaller club who had his team in about the middle of the top half, was fighting for European spots. And, um, you know, was seen as, oh, he'll be a great fit to go in there. He's done really well. 
So, David Moyes, how are you doing now? Are you comparing Ronald Koeman to David Moyes? I, I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not directly comparing, but I'm just saying that. Right. That's what's got to be going through the heads of Arsenal uh, fans. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Here's the thing. If you're bringing in Guardiola, if you're bringing in, if he was available, Jurgen Klopp, if you're bringing in a Carlo Ancelotti, that's one thing. But, you know, when you're going, and obviously, I mean, every manager has to start low and work their way up. I mean, obviously, Wenger, you know, before he came, Wenger had been at Monaco, Mm -hmm. you know, so Arsenal was a step up. And obviously, Arsenal would be a step up from Southampton. But, I mean, there's always that chance that you're going to get a guy who, you know, maybe maybe kind of like Brendan Rodgers was, you know, really good with those teams that didn't have the biggest of expectations. Mm -hmm. But then you put him in in a real pressure spot where there's a lot of expectations might fall apart so let's see you know there, there are very few sure things in world football when it comes to managers um ronald coman is just one of those he might be really good but he's no sure thing no it would, it would be it would be a gamble but uh it is one that you never know if it could so pay off arsenal fans if, uh if you are looking for someone though don't forget that footballing genius david Moyes. he is available and so is the Brage. I see. Oh, the Brage. I think the Brage is signed, still delivered, going back to Swansea. I think he is. I think that's why Joe Allen didn't play. Klopp didn't want to show off the goods when they when they traveled over there. He's like, no. Is that because we're literally down to like two healthy midfielders? <laughs> facts. What are facts? Uh, let's not delay it any longer, Wes. Let us talk about Chelsea 2. Tottenham to the Manic Monday, the battle at Stamford Bridge, which literally at some points was a physical battle. Of... Or some call it the rumble in the concrete jungle. Concrete might have been thrown at one point. I'm not too sure. Uh, a Two goals from the Tottenham Hotspur visitors in the first half. Harry Kane lead, adding to his league leading total, as well as Sung Hyun Min, uh, just before the end of the first half, had Spurs on the brink of pushing Leicester to the brink. But Chelsea came back with two goals in the second half by Gary Cahill and Eden Azard to level it up and seal Tottenham's fate of not winning the title. Uh, but Wes, the, the bigger thing to talk about is a fight broke out. It was it was that old Rolling Stones Street Fighter G7 started breaking out, and uh, there's probably going to be some suspensions. Uh, John Terry, who somehow played Peacemaker after the match, said that the FA shouldn't suspend anybody from either club, which is I think <laughs> also a way of him trying to save his own player's ass a little bit. <laughs> Um, and and there's no way that you can't suspend Musa Dembele. <laughs> uh, but other than other than that, I mean, I'm not gonna say I totally disagree with our good friend JT. Cause you know that you know I'm a proponent of physicality. I know you love it. Um, I, I think sometimes you know guys get a little feisty. What's that word I use? Dare I say a wee bit chippy? chippy. Oh, there was some chippiness. Um. And I don't mind Chippy so much. Dembele obviously went over the line, hmm. um, and he does—he deserves to be suspended. 
other than that, I think it was just a really chippy, um, dirty, hard-fought match. But I don't really see the huge reason to suspend a lot of people. Um, listen to Men in Blazers today. Roger Bennett did make the did make the comment. Uh, if you start suspending Spurs, may not have enough players to finish out the season. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Luke um, McGee, nine, how many games do you have in goal? Nine players carded in that match for Spurs. Premier League record. And 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 no red cards, so that was a good. Yeah, but, yeah, they all learned their lesson the first time. Also, only three <laughs> Chelsea players drew cards. That was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, um, but and unfortunately, you know, that's kind of the mask that I think some Spurs fans are using right now to shield the fact that Spurs fighting for their lives to try to stay alive in the league. Um, they go into the locker room with a two nil lead, and then in the second half, Ed, we haven't said this year. We thought we put it to bed, but that was a that was a really Spursy second half. Yeah. That was a so Spursy second half um, where Chelsea comes back. They they level. <clears throat> and really at the end, I mean, it, it just – it looked like when they leveled that Spurs were just – you could almost see Spurs giving up the ghost. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, they, it's they hard. Just, about the last 10 minutes of that match, they just looked uh, – they just – they looked shell-shocked was almost the way it was. and. You know, when when you see the goal that you've been chasing, and, you know, you're right here at the end trying to stay in reach of it, you know, you see it slipping away. I think that that really made emotions boil over. That and the fact it was just a hard physical derby anyway. Um, and I, I'd say it's just for everything good Spurs did, and they should be remembered for having this great season that they have had, where they have probably overall been truly – the best team in England. No, no, nothing against Leicester, who have no, been the right. consistent team in England. Hmm. But those last two matches, the West Brom, and then this draw, those are uh, those are just going to weigh on the minds of some Spurs fans, I believe. Well, I mean, you can you can go back to the season though, and if you're going to start doing that, you know, you can. Th- this this has actually happened before already this year. You can go back to. Uh, the uh the match against Stoke, uh I believe which was our second or third match of the season, uh where we took a two 0 lead into the half and gave up two goals in the last fifteen minutes. Uh, you can go to the Newcastle match at home, uh where we went into the half with a one 0 lead and gave up two goals in the final fifteen minutes, including one in the final two to lose two one. Uh, you can do the Arsenal match. You can do the Leicester match, the first Leicester match, when we had a one-goal lead. We scored a goal in, like, the 82nd minute, and Leicester scored to equalize 90 seconds later. Um, so th- there's plenty of, of matches this year where, where Spurs have unfortunately conceded late, and as consistent as they have been and as great as their defensive record has been, and it is still the best uh, goals against in the league. Uh, This is not a new thing. And there's, you know, I was reading an article today, you know, somebody, you know, pointed out how often uh, Pochettino has said that this is still a very young team. You know, this is the youngest team in the Premier League. And, you know, you know, when when you're when you're beating Stoke 4-0, when you're beating Manchester United 3-0, when you're making a a, when you you go to the Etihad and you go up a goal, you give one back and then you score in the final 10 minutes against Manchester City 
it's hard to remember you are the youngest team in the league. And and then things like this happen, and then you remember, oh, no, wait, yeah, they are the youngest team in the league. I tell you what, um, two things, or three things, really. First of all, not to keep harping on it, but Mark Clattenburg had an absolutely horrendous match. Um, oh. he, he was atrocious. He should have booked Danny Rose in the first eight minutes. Uh, he should have book, booked Ivanovich about three minutes after that. And if, maybe if he had done those two things, maybe a lot of that other shit would have gotten taken care of. I'm not saying it totally would have, but Clattenburg acted like he could talk down players and like the players would place themselves in a London derby. You fucked up, Clattenburg. It's that, uh, some of that's on you. Um, the second thing oh, I was... I agree with Oh, no, go ahead. I was saying I agree with you. All right. The, uh, the second thing I would say is that, that the fight, both literal and metaphysical, or not metaphysical, uh, figurative was the word I was looking for, fight that Spurs showed, uh, showed me that there was 11 guys on that pitch who even when I didn't believe it, and I, granted, I even believe we're going to win the league in like, I think, six or seven weeks now, they still did. They they could have easily said, well, you know, we're we're still only going to be like five points back with two weeks to play, even if we win here tonight. Yeah, we'll clinch second, but I mean, really, what's the point? And they went out there in that first half and, and just kept fighting and fighting and never stopped believing that they could win. And, and I think that when you mentioned how shell-shocked they looked at the end there, I think that's why. Because those 11 guys, plus their manager, legitimately believed that they could still win the title. And whether that's true or not, because I don't believe even if they had won, they would have won the title. Um, Leicester was not going to drop three points to Everton. Um, and, they, and even if they had, let's be honest, Chelsea probably would have rolled over in the last week to ensure that Tottenham didn't win. Um, so, to me, as as much as I deplored how the fighting happened and, and what Dembele did was terrible, the fact that they still had that passion, that they still cared when other clubs could have packed it in by now, knowing that they didn't really have a shot at win the league, meant a lot to me, and, and I appreciate them for that. Uh, the third point was something that I have now almost completely forgotten. So, um, what was the third point? Third point was just, you know, talking about how young they are. Um, oh, I remember what the third point was now. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. You're totally, because you and I, you and I share this common bond here. I get somewhat of a 2003 Red Sox vibe from this team. And I'm just hoping that next year means that I get a 2004 Red Sox vibe from them. Bobby, and my only argument against what you say I can come up with is um, the 2014-2015 Liverpool. I know. Who finished second the year before and then came crashing down and struggled to finish sixth the next season. Um, and I can point to that. That was a... That was a good young squad Liverpool had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, squad that looked like they could put it together. It's just, and I've said this to you for a while now. I just, I believe in this league, if you're not Manchester City or Chelsea or United, 
I don't even put Arsenal in that group anymore. If you're not one of those three, I just I think when you've got the opportunity at the top, you've got to take it. Just because historically what we've seen in this league are those three teams at the end of the day are the dominant teams. And, you know, a, a lot of, I mean, let's was like Spurs. I mean, the, the nucleus of this team looks fantastic. They're, they are built fantastically. You've got to figure they're going to go out and strengthen this summer. But, and this is my button. I'm, I'm not trying to drag down Spurs' achievements by any means or their future. Things change so quickly in in this sport and especially in this league. <clears throat> I mean, you know, Harry Kane had a rough start to the season, found his scoring boots. I mean, what happens if Deli Ali comes in, has a sophomore slump next year? You know, what happens if, Lord forbid, you know, match three, Harry Kane plants wrong, down goes the knee, down goes the season for Harry Kane. You know, it's just when when you're in a sport like this where you can rely so much on a few guys doing great things, even with a good team around them, it's, it's just building is one thing, but when you've got that shot to go out and achieve your ultimate goal, which is to win the league, it it sucks to miss it. I mean, when Liverpool did it a few years ago, I mean, just and I, I guess I use Liverpool as a really good example. That was their shot. Stevie had the slip, and it all fell apart. And and now we're on another manager. <laughs> we're we're trying to. I mean, God, we're in eight. You know, and like we said earlier, hoping to turn things around. I think we got the right guy to turn things around. But there are no. There's no guarantee that just with a young, talented team that it's going to smoothly move right on. So hopefully for Spurs, things will work out. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I do believe you can find some of those Spurs fans who sit up in White Hart Lane every week who are sitting at home right now with head and hands <laughs> lamenting their best shot, obviously, since 1961 to win this league. No, and I agree. I just I, I believe that it does no good. And maybe that's because I'm a, a newer Spurs fan. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't been through all the horribleness that has happened and all the mediocrity. And, and that's why I kind of throw the 2003 Red Sox in there. I pretty much became a Red Sox fan in around 2000. And uh, three years later, they're battling the Yankees in the ALCS and then the next year the the insane miracle of 2004 happens so it's just it to, to me those parallels are, are becoming increasingly strong that you know about three years ago I start following Spurs this year ends in absolute heartache and and getting your stomach punched and then and then complete complete with uh, Ed and fucking Azard who let's remember he talked shit this past weekend he should never get to talk shit about Tottenham. This is the same guy who said, yeah, I think it'd be cool to play for PSG two weeks before his team played PSG in the fucking Champions League. Shut your fucking mouth, Ed. It's one thing for Fabregas to say it. He played at Arsenal, and now he plays for Chelsea. That's fine. Fabregas can say we also want us to win the league. That's fine. I don't care about that. Azard, you have nothing. Shut the fuck up. 
That's a lot. Hey, at least for Hazard, um, the uh, the the longest preseason in history. Once he finally uh, came into the regular season, he has really picked up his game the last few weeks. Yeah, I, I'm sure he wishes that this season would keep going another four months. Hey, hey, Belgium. Belgium to win Euros. No, he needs a break. Yeah, yeah, obviously. He probably needs a break now, you know. But, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, we'll definitely see, and Spurs are definitely going to be one of your favorites next season, obviously. Um, They're not the favorite, scary, not, according to, not according to betters. Well, I, I, said, I said one of the favorites. Mm-hmm. I said one of the favorites. Um, but you know, I mean, it's, it's scary because once again, things change so quick in the premier league. Um, you know, uh, Chelsea city United, well, maybe not United, hmm. but Chelsea and city definitely, you know, title challengers for them, uh, going to have new managers in going to obviously have new players coming in there. Um, we'll see United, about Chelsea. I'm not convinced. I'm, I'm, I'd be more convinced about city than Chelsea. Well, I'm not going to mark out Conte yet. I'm not a huge Conte fan, but you never know. <laughs> I'm not marking out Conte just so much as I'm marking out the rest of that team. Well, I think they're gonna you're going to see a lot of movement from them over the <laughs> summer. And and maybe and maybe uh, Ed and Hazard will remember that the season starts in August. Maybe. Next year. Um, God knows what's going to happen down at United. Um, you know, Liverpool, knock on wood, me Liverpool – First full season under Klopp, you've got to expect that they're going that they should take a step up. Uh, West Ham has had a great season, um, and you know if if you want to almost put them in a Spurs kind of mold, with uh, you know they've been building and you know they've they've hit on a couple of really good players who may have put them over the hump. Um, you know, Arsenal is going to be right back fighting for fourth place again next year. Uh, City, to me, I'm going to tell you just real quick before we get to it, City is the team that really scares me next year. Yeah. Because you're going to have a massive overhaul of City this summer. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the fact that it's Pep Guardiola, he's built to win the league. That was kind of a backdoor shot right there. We'll get to it. uh... But, um, you know, that's a team that would really scare me coming up. And then, I mean, you know, the league champs, I believe they're already 25-1 to 1 to repeat. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what they do. But you, you just hope for Tottenham that – you just hope that this wasn't the highlight of the next three to four years for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now we look at uh, this next coming weekend in the Premier League. Still does continue. Uh, and it starts off with a big match, norwich Manchester United, 7.45 a.m. Saturday. Uh, Norwich still in that relegation battle. They need points, and they'll be at home at Carroll Road to see if they can steal some from Louis van Gaal's men. Uh, at 10 a.m., you get Bournemouth. Uh, me? <laughs> you get, you know, hopefully he doesn't pull in anybody's hair. Uh, you get 10 a.m., you get Bournemouth-West Brom. Villa versus Newcastle. Newcastle in that battle, too. Uh, Palace Stoke, who cares? Sunderland versus Chelsea. That's important for the Black Cats. And West Ham versus Swansea. And at 12.30, Leicester versus Everton, which, you know, again, doesn't really matter anymore. It's just a coronation match. Uh, At 8.30, uh, Tottenham versus Southampton. Tottenham, with a win against the Saints, would lock up second place. And then at 11, Liverpool-Watford. And then a match that I'm sure most people thought could be a title decider. 
Manchester City Arsenal. It is for a title. Who's going to finish fourth? Um, the Arsene Wenger Cup. You know, and now, now with trophies this season, we're going to win our fourth place once again. Uh, we also do have some midweek matches next week. These are makeups. Uh, two forty-five. This is sure to be a tasty one. We've had some good matchups from these two teams already this year. Two forty-five. West Ham versus Manchester United. That'll be a good one. And then that's, uh, a, big, that's a big match actually for those yeah. two. Uh, Especially, you know, United trying to fight their way into the top four. Mm-hmm. Uh, West Ham, still a very outside chance. But um, I think for West Ham, they would just, oh, they would love to finish above United and finish in that fifth spot. Oh, certainly. At 245, you get Sunderland, Everton, Norwich, Watford, and then Liverpool, Chelsea. Uh, and then finally, uh, that next Sunday will be the last match of the season match week of the season i should say uh as we look at the table again leicester have won it with 77 points and counting tottenham right now are in second with 70 arsenal are in third with 67 city are in fourth with 64 and again a tottenham win or a city win this weekend guarantees tottenham second place manchester united are in fifth with 60 points uh with match in hand as our west ham as we just mentioned with 59 and southampton currently in seventh with 57 the bottom of your heart the relegation zone this week it's newcastle that is outside the drop with 33 points sunderland have 32 and norwich have 31 but both the black cats and norwich have a match in hand over newcastle all right but, but, yes but here's the deal newcastle are playing villa yeah which is almost as good if not better than having a match in hand because who would you rather have your match in? Would you rather be playing Villa or have a match in hand and have that match in hand be like Southampton or something? No, you're right. You so, are uh, absolutely I think, right. Uh, I think Newcastle is absolutely set up to uh, make this great escape right now. They could do it. Up the Geordies. Uh, now, Wes, let's head to the Champions League. What do you say? And then go on to win the league. <laughs> oh. Do it to the Champions League second leg matchups we had two okay we had one really great match and one it was it was all right uh the great match though on Tuesday Atletico 2 I'm sorry Atletico 1 Bayern Munich 2 but Atletico goes through 2-2 on the away goal Antoine Griezmann with the winner for Atletico in the 54th minute. This uh, canceled out a Xabi Alonso uh, free kick in the first half that took a nice little deflection for Bayern. And then a Lewandowski header in the 74th minute gave Munich life, but they could not capitalize. Also, Wes, this marked a match where both teams missed penalties. Uh, both of them were saved. Uh, Newer saved a late penalty strike by uh, Fernando Torres. And for Atletico, Old Black saved one from, uh, I believe it was Thomas Mueller. Yes, it was Thomas Mueller who missed it. Um, so a very odd match for both teams. Uh, Atletico conceding two goals but still advancing on, and Diego Simeon is back to his second Champions League final in three years. Well, let's just hope he's allowed to uh, actually be there. Oh, he will be. He will be. Um, 
Um, no, I know, because I know what you're referring oh, to. I believe one? you. Well, what it was is the the guy, and we'll go ahead and tell you talk about it. Uh, late in the match, uh, as he was trying to get a substitute on, he ended up hitting an official on the sidelines, trying to get their attention to get the sub on. Uh, it has come out that that official was actually part of Atletico Madrid's own staff. That was not a UEFA representative. It was not a Bayern okay. representative. So unless they're going to penalize him for for abusing his own uh, employer or employee or part of his own staff, <laughs> there it does not seem it would be very odd to see him miss this final. So I think I think from everything I've heard, Simeon's going to be okay. But go ahead with with okay. what we were talking about. Um. Well, I, I would just like to point out, as I did to you the other day, that uh. I'm now two for two yeah. in picking uh, Atletico to upset what are you know kind of the sexiest teams left in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, first Barcelona, now Bayern. I mean, this is a team that right now is just doing perfectly exactly what they want to do. Yeah, they uh, they want to defend. They want to hit you on the counter. Um, and God, did they do that with Griezmann? Holy shit! And that's exactly what they do. <clears throat> um, you know, Fernando Torres has somehow become a great setup man. Yes. <laughs> as as he he put Griezmann on just perfectly on that goal, just absolutely perfectly. Um, Bayern could somewhat feel hard done in this match. Um, yeah, but usually when you have a match or when you have a uh, a tie like that where two teams are both so good and you know especially when one of them's physical usually usually the team who loses can sit there and say well you know we could have got this call or this call um the uh the torres goal that was saved by neuer Mm -hmm. probably shouldn't have been a penalty yeah um but you know what at the end of the day that didn't hurt them because hey they saved the penalty um i mean to me it comes down to uh you know, Guardiola sitting sitting Mueller in the first match. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, that's going to kind of be a big issue when you look back at this, especially if you're a Dortmund or a Dortmund, uh, a Munich supporter. Is uh, you know what could have been if you'd had Mueller out there in the first match? Maybe you get that away goal, and you go on and win this thing. But uh, you know, end of the day, to me. Guardiola got uh Guardiola got out coached by Conte. You mean, I mean Simeon? To me, to me, that's what I, I'm sorry, Simeon. God, there's so many people just flying around in my. A lot mind. of great coaches. A lot of great coaches. Uh, Simeone just I, I think he out coached Guardiola. Um, I think Guardiola tried to outthink the room, mm-hmm. especially in that first match. And um, at the end of the day, another semifinal bowout um, and kind of a. Uh, to, to quote Dennis Hopper in, uh, in Apocalypse Now, um, you know, it's all going to end in a whimper. And that's exactly what it did for uh, Bayern Munich. Well, and, and you mentioned this earlier, and, and this has become, you know, the hot take du jour topic of the week, it seems like, um, even on ESPN FC, that very noble television show. <sighs> Um, and, and you kind of referenced it earlier with the, as you said, the backdoor shot at Pep. Um, you know, the topic is, did he fail at Bayern? He's, he's won, 
He's won the league three straight years, or he's going to win the league three straight years. Um, he's won the DFB Pokal. He has made it to three straight Champions League semifinals. Basically, the only thing he didn't do was win the Champions League. And I guess at the end of the day, with as much success as Baron has had in the past before he came in, uh, that, that was what was to be expected. That was why they brought him over from Barcelona. But is it fair to say Pep is a failure um, just because he did not win the Champions League or even make a Champions League final? Personally, I, I don't think he was a complete failure. Hmm. But, I mean, if, if you want to label him the word failure, I will say this. He failed in what I think was the main goal at Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm which was to win the Champions League. And I'm sorry, you said, oh, he won the league. Oh, he won the DFB Pokal or whatever the hell they call the German Cup. Big freaking whoop. I mean, just about everybody who's ever managed at Bayern has won the league and won the cup. I mean, when you're that much, when you have that much more financial clout and you're already playing in basically a two-team league, and, and and not only that, but you're in a two-team league, and then whenever you feel threatened, you just buy the other team's best players. You should win the league. I mean, my God, look at his roster compared to literally everyone else in Germany. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know if you could I don't know if you could take the other nineteen teams in the German top flight and make a team as good as Bayern. Mm-hmm. So you know, at the end of the day, to me, I think he failed. Well, then, so, real quick, real quick. Well, uh, I, I think he was brought in to win the Champions League. I mean, then, then in the same vein, and you don't have to go on about this, but in the same vein, would you consider Laurent Blanc a failure? Yes. Okay. All right. In the exact same vein, yes. Okay. Because, once again, you were the big dog in, in basically one to two team league where you know the absolute minimum requirement is to win the league mm-hmm. i mean the minimum requirement the the this is the baseline this is what you have to do you know the baseline for you and me at our jobs is show up on time yeah. for them it's win the league <laughs> you know? sorry but you know that's where you are your psg your Bayern, and and pretty much that's why there's a good chance Laurent block is going to lose his job over the summer mm-hmm because, I mean, they don't give a crap about winning the French Cup or winning the league anymore. That's old. You've got to take the next step. And talking Champions League, my God, is PSG kicking themselves right now. Hmm? Uh, but anyway. Um, but, I mean, I mean, absolutely. I think both uh, Block and Pep Guardiola, I think they failed. Guardiola more spectacularly because of the fact that he's Pep Guardiola and when he came to Bayern, you know, that was the greatest hire ever among anyone because, you know, according to the a lot of the soccer media, you know, Pep Guardiola is the greatest thing that has ever roamed the earth. You know, let's also not forget who Pep Guardiola, you know, had at at, uh, at uh, Barcelona. They were pretty you good. Know, the guy who's basically had, I'm, I'm not going to say not the two best jobs in the world. I mean, Barcelona and Bayern Munich? Yeah, two of the best, yeah. I, I, you say of the best. I might say they might be the best. I mean, you know. 
I think Real fans would argue with you. Well, well, but, but, but you think about this. I mean, you know, look at how quickly. No, yeah, you're right. Successful managers get run out at Real. You're right. You're exactly right. You know, Bar- Barcelona have more of that. You know, they, they do have more patience at Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's why I say they might be the two best football jobs in the world where you usually have an overwhelming talent gap. Obviously, at Barcelona, he did have to deal with Real. And I'm not even going to say he had to deal with Atletico because they weren't what they are now when he was there. Mm-hmm. It was basically him. And if you think about it, Real was not then what they are now. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, everywhere he's gone, he's had the best players, he's had the most money, and he's had the best uh, support system in, in place. I mean, you know, just I'll just throw my manager out there, Jurgen Klopp. I mean, mine's. Of Dortmund, who were basically about to go bankrupt when he took over. Mm-hmm. I mean, he 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 took mines from the from Bundesliga B or two or however they do it up to the top half of the German league, and then turned Dortmund into two-time German champions. To me, that's a little better of a job. No, you're exactly right. Maybe than what Pep has done. Even though at the end of the day, obviously Pep has the two Champions Leagues. I mean, Mourinho, who you know, obviously is always linked to Pep, it seems. I mean, you know, Mourinho at Porto wins a Champions League for Porto. Um, you know, goes to Chelsea when, <clears throat> at that point, there's no pedigree at Chelsea. You know, goes to Madrid and basically, you know, at least broke the Barcelona dominance over the league. You know, you could argue that, you know, Mourinho's done a better overall managerial job. Mm-hmm. Um Mourinho's Mourinho, though. (laughs) But, I mean, I just... Not that I don't think Pep is a great manager, but I just... I think think a little too much praise may have been heaped on to Pep over the Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Just remember, it's really nice for your first managerial job to walk into, uh, you know, Messi and uh, top of his game, Ronaldinho, and Xavi, and yes, the... (laughs) Puyol... Yeah, that's kind of a nice one to walk into. So. Well, and I think that's that's one of the interesting subplots looking ahead to next season. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how he does at City. Now, City obviously probably on paper one of the best, if not the best, Premier League team. But but that dominance that, that he's seen at Bayern and that he's seen at Barcelona over the entire rest of the league doesn't exist in the Premier League. We know that. From this season, and I think that this this is gonna be this is gonna be where we finally figure out how good of a manager he is, because he's gonna have great players, but it's gonna be a much tougher league overall, and and then he's gonna have to go and try and win, you know, a Champions League for City when they've never even made the finals, and we'll of course get to City in a, in a little bit, but I think that's gonna be incredibly fascinating for the reason you just mentioned that he's never. He's never had anything less than the best at his disposal. I mean, you can look back. You know, I, I do take back his first coaching job was Barcelona B. Oh. <clears throat> but, I mean, you know, then he was there for like a year. And the next thing you know, he's the main man at Barcelona. But, um, yeah, I really think we're going to – I mean, he, he here's what I'm going to say. He's going to have to evolve as a manager mm-hmm. at, at – uh, at Manchester City because, you know, A, I want to see what kind of style he wants to play. B, 
because you know here's the deal everybody's like oh they're gonna he's gonna want to do tiki taka now at uh at Bayern Munich well don't forget he walked into a Bayern Munich team that had just won the Champions League he didn't have to do much tinkering with that team yeah I mean he brought in some of his own guys got rid of a few guys but at the end of the day it, it once again Bayern Munich with that group of players I don't really give a shit what kind of football you try to play. You know, when you've got Neuer at the back, Lom in defense, that midfield as good as it is, and then Lewandowski, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter who the hell you put out or what you try to do. It's who you put out there. Right. So um, I, th- I think I think all the pep worshippers could potentially be in for a big wake-up call. Um, with this uh, trip to City for his coming up. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, and speaking of City, they do bow out in the second leg of the uh, the Champions League. And you talk about with a whimper. That 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 was a whimper today uh, against Real Madrid uh, in what is going to go down as a Fernando own goal. And of course, the uh, as the joke on Twitter is, uh, during the match they changed that from a Bale goal to a Fernando own goal. And uh, it, it, of course, it was Ronaldo who made the call to have that changed to an own goal because 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 he can't tol- he can't have that he can't have Bale. Uh, upstaging him like that of course as we all remember it was Gareth Bale who practically won the Champions League for uh, Real Madrid two years ago and basically won the um, the Copa del Rey two years ago for Real Madrid but I digress um, Manchester City come out with almost no attacking firepower Sergio Aguero almost invisible for most of the match and City do not uh, get a shot on target. Uh, Joe Hart with another fantastic match. Really a, a big reason, again, why Madrid did not score more. But, you know, you, you talk about people kicking themselves west. I think City's got to come out of this two-leg tie and just be absolutely crushed with how they played. Uh, gave way too much respect to Real Madrid. Uh, never looked like they wanted anything more than nil-nil all the way to penalties. Um and especially with as good as an attacking side this is. Um, also the decision by Pellegrini not to start Kelly Iheanacho and instead played Yaya Torre, which uh, the reports from one journal- Spanish journalist in the post-match asked uh, Real Madrid coach Zinedine Zidane if he thought Torre played to the, uh, like his, the age was, uh, or, or as if his age was the number on his jersey. And as we all know, Yaya Torre's jersey number is 42 um so so with that aside uh real madrid has set up another uh all madrid champions league final uh this will be a replay of the 2014 final but uh wes i gotta tell you this 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 tie was theirs for the taking i believe for city and they came out and just said "Eh, we'll uh we'll see if we can score a goal but eh, who cares if we do or not well, here's the thing. I'm going to say there's one guy I feel for on Man City, and that's Joe Hart. Yeah. Ooh. Hart was spectacular over two legs. I mean, literally the goal that was scored today was, uh, you know, as we said earlier, was Bale coming off the right side. Mm-hmm. And he he hits a ball that, if it's not touched by Fernando, is sailing wide. No mm-hmm. problems. But instead, and not to take anything away from Fernando, hey, he was a defender trying to make a play. 
Right. So, you know, it's not as if he blew a coverage or blew an assignment. It's just, it was a bad bounce for him, a lucky bounce for Real. But, um, I mean, Joe Hart was spectacular. He was absolutely world-class. Um, really himself kept this from, kept about three or four goals from going in. I think he had five saves on the day. Uh, City. Obviously, you could tell that um, they were definitely missing David Silva. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, that's a big thing, too. I mean, Silva's a big injury. But the thing is, at this point, everybody is – everybody has injuries at yeah. this point. It's how you overcome them. And a team like City should have had enough depth to be able to overcome um, Yaya Torre was an embarrassment today. Just, a, I mean, he was the epitome of this performance from Man City. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he was sluggish. Um, from from the reports I've heard, I didn't watch the match. I'm not going to. It sounds horrible. Yeah, don't. From the reports I heard, I mean, he walked around the field most of the match. Um, you know, he he looked like he could have literally wanted to be anywhere but in this match. And, you know, here you are, you're Yaya Torre, you know. You know and, and, of course, this is a guy who we have criticized earlier in the year for throwing a hissy fit because he wasn't named the African Footballer of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and here you are, you know, these are the kind of matches where you cement stakes like that. And, and he just completely didn't show up, completely looked like he could give a shit that he was even there to play this match. Um, Kevin De Bruyne was active as he could be. He couldn't really get into any good positions to do anything. Um, As for Aguero, it wasn't that Aguero was bad. Aguero feeds off of service. Yeah. And with no Silva and a disinterested Yaya Torre, it just, it wasn't there. It just wasn't there. I, I still just I, I don't understand this need to play Torre and Jesus Navas with with Ianacho and Sterling on the bench. I mean I, I know Sterling hasn't been great at City this year, but I, I mean are they really not better than them? I, I don't I don't understand that. And it's it was just um, it was a poor selection by Pellegrini. Very. Um, you know when. I mean, when you as Manuel Pellegrini, this is basically your, this is your chance to basically throw the bird to the entire Man City front office who have who have said, well, he's not good enough to get us where we want to go. Mm-hmm. This is your chance to flip him the bird and say, hey, fuck you, we're going all in on this, and you know, this is my goal is to win this. You know, personally, if I'm Pellegrini, I could give a shit about the league. Yeah, I mean, what do I give a shit if I finish third and qualify for Champions League next year? I'm not coaching that squad. Shit on it. I'm going 100% all in on this Champions League because that's my legacy at the end of the day. My name's going to be on that trophy. And he sends a very conservative, very defensive-minded team out there. And basically, I, I really... I really think that City were playing for penalties. That's that's so disappointing. I don't, I don't think that they believe that they could go and score. And then when they went 1-0 down, you know, we talked about Spurs being shell-shot earlier. 
I think City was just, oh, shit, this didn't work. Well, and that's stupid because literally they were going to have to score a goal at some point. And and Real scoring that goal didn't really change anything because if City gets a goal, they win win on the away goal. Exactly. They needed one fucking goal and they couldn't get it. Iannaccio, when he finally did come in, he looked... He looked on the mark for him. He was, yeah, the guy that had a fucking brace against Southampton, your only bright spot from this past weekend. The guy who seems to score literally every time he touches the ball. Let's not start him. The 19-year, I believe he's 19. But, I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, it was just, it, it was really poor. It was really, it was really disappointing for City. And, uh, you know, if I'm a City fan right now, I'm sitting here, especially if I decided to go to Spain. Oh, God. I'm like, why the hell did I waste my money? But on top of that, it <clears throat> just finish it up. City disappointed me. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, Ed, as someone obviously a Liverpool fan who hates Manchester United, what could have made Manchester United's life worse than being in fifth and Liverpool in the finals of Europa and City in the finals of the Champions League? Mm-hmm. What could have been worse for Man United? And the fact that Louis Van Hall is going to be bad next year. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that could have made it worse was like you know if Van Hall uh, like you know, alienated Marcus Rashford or something. Oh wait. Anyway. Oh man. Anyway, um, so I, I was kind of hoping for that. I wanted to see that, you know, but uh, instead we we get a uh, we get an all La Liga final, as you said, second time in three years. Uh, the um, the Madrid Derby, <clears throat> and then we'll talk about more next week uh, and as it comes up. But uh, I'm gonna tell you this: I've, I've picked them two consecutive rounds. <sighs> uh, right now, I think Atletico Madrid are gonna be very tough to beat in the Champions League final. The problem is here. I don't know if you're picking them now as an upset, though. Well, I don't think that's an upset pick to pick them. <laughs> we'll have to see how the build goes. They are going to. Uh, it's going to be crucial for them to keep guys like uh, Greetsman and Koke. Um, that defense, they've got to keep those guys healthy and ready to rock and roll. Well, here's the crazy thing. These two teams are also, you know, basically within shouting distance, not even shouting distance anymore. Madrid- Atletico is tied with Barcelona for the La Liga lead, and Madrid is one point back. I mean, it's <clears throat> it's great. And um, it shows you the – it shows you – the strength at the top of La Liga. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say this too. You know, here's a here's something else. After the Europa ties are done, we could have an all La Liga European finals. Which I believe is actually what happened two years ago when uh, when Madrid uh, when it was the All Madrid uh, Champions League final. I believe the European final was also Sevilla and another uh, Spanish team. Definitely was Sevilla. We know it was Sevilla. Um, couldn't tell you they played, but uh, you know, good chance. Right now, probably the two favorites to go through are Sevilla and Villarreal. So it would be a it would definitely be a banner day for Spain. And that is because uh, right now, heading into the second leg of the semifinals of Europa this Thursday, probably as you're listening to this podcast, uh, the results from last week were Shakhtar Donetsk two, Sevilla two. 
and Villarreal won Liverpool nil. Liverpool nearly got out with the nil-nil draw heading back to Anfield. But unfortunately for them, Adrian Lopez in the 92nd minute buried a goal that might have almost buried Liverpool hearts. We'll see, though. Magical things have happened at Anfield so far in the Europa League this season. Uh, But they were very close from going back nil-nil and could not quite get it back when just a few weeks ago Liverpool won a Europa League tie in the final two minutes this time they give up a goal but uh Wes still all to play for uh heading back to Anfield oh absolutely um you know for Liverpool I mean at this point all you got to do you know you go home you know you win one nil then we go into extra time we go to penalties you know, if you can scoot that second goal, you know, you get the lead. Um, bit of good news for Liverpool, which we can always use. Yeah. Um, looks like Emery Chan will be in the uh, match day squad. Um, will he start? I don't know. But he has apparently made just very, very good recovery from uh, some ankle ligament damage. <clears throat> um, and that's – he has been a huge, huge loss – since he went down. Um, so that's something to keep your eye on, how, how much he will be um, utilized. The big talking point from match day one of the semifinal uh, was obviously uh, Daniel Sturridge not playing for Liverpool. You know, yeah. uh, first Klopp decided not to start him and then deciding not to bring him on late. Uh, Sturridge unhappy about it. Sturridge... There's been a lot of noise coming out of Liverpool about Sturridge, but the thing with Daniel Sturridge is he's a guy who he's so super competitive and he's had the injury problems that now he just he wants to play all the time to prove that he's healthy and to prove that he can still do it. But I, I, I do believe Klopp is still trying to be smart with his minutes, um, you know, not try to re-injure him going into the latter part of the season. But... You know, a lot of people, myself included, last 20 minutes, why the hell aren't we getting Sturridge? I think Klopp will take the blame for that as saying, you know, I think late on, about the last 15 minutes, Liverpool were like, okay, if we can get out of here nil-nil, we're fine. That's not a problem. Um, And as I said, I mean, they just, they literally got caught in about the last 30 seconds of that match. A fantastic finish. And um, they find themselves in a hole. You've got to believe Sturridge is going to be in the starting eleven. Um, back at Anfield. What I expect from Liverpool, I, I personally, I expect Villarreal to come out and defend, 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 defend. Um, I, I want to see Liverpool come out like a house of fire, kind of like Dortmund did to them. Mm-hmm. And I want to see Liverpool come out and score a goal, maybe even score a couple goals in the first 20, 25 minutes of this match and put the pressure back on Villarreal. And then see what happens. I just if they can go ahead and get this match tied early, you know, absolutely all bets are off, and we'll see what happens. But I'm I still I still have a good feeling that Liverpool can can and will still go through. Uh, two years ago, it was Sevilla Benfica. It was very very close. Two Spanish clubs, just uh, or in fact, they speak Spanish. Well, Benfica, of course, from Portugal. So again, it was an all Iberian final. Yes. Uh, so we'll, of course, preview that next week and see who will be marching on to the finals of the Europa League. 
Go to Basil. Ah, yes. Basil Exposition. And as we hit the halfway mark, we would like to remind you guys that this is uh, this podcast, the Foreign Affair podcast, is brought to you by NGSC Sports, NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. Um, and we don't stop talking about soccer just yet. We have news and notes to get through. Back to a uh, little Premier League news here. Wes, uh, of course, we've talked about the ongoing saga, it seems like, about Thibaut Courtois at Chelsea and whether he will stay or go. Uh, news has come out that new manager Antonio Conte has said he is totally fine with the club selling Courtois. Some have said that they've made up, but it looks like Conte is very okay with him uh, moving on from him. Some have talked about Fraser Forrester coming over from Southampton to come and replace him. Of course, also Asmir Begovic is the uh, the deputy right now. Uh, some have said that... Uh, or it has been reported that Chelsea had put about a 73 million pound uh, signing value on Courtois. So basically, that means only Real Madrid and PSG would be interested. Um, but I, I, you know, I think this is you know very interesting. Uh, Courtois has been very wishy-washy this season, Wes, as as a lot of Chelsea players. Um, do you see the Blues moving on from what has been? one of these stalwarts in their defense? I'd say no. I think Courtois is going to be around. Um, I think it's almost been maybe a little like Eden Hazard. I mean, it, ha- it has been a trying year for Chelsea. Um, to me, that doesn't really give these guys the excuse to sit there and basically openly quit on their team, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I, I, I kind of feel that when you're like, you know, I wouldn't mind the move. Okay, you're quit. You're done. You're done. But um, there, there has been a report coming out that Courtois has said that um, he would uh, he would happily stay at Chelsea even without Premier League or even without Champions League. Oh, without Premier League, that'd be beautiful. Oh, that would be something, wouldn't it? Um, you know, I, I believe he's going to be sticking around because here's another thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anyone is going to pay anywhere near that kind of money. A for a keeper, mm-hmm. any keeper. B for Courtois at this point. Um, you know, I think we're going to see, I personally think again this summer, you're going to see uh, Real Madrid probably targeting David De Gea again. They'll try. Um, PSG would be interesting, um, but I don't know if they want to spend that big a chunk of money. Obviously, I'll tell you this, if he does go, Chelsea ain't getting no 73 million pounds for <laughs> not, not after this season. That's I mean, that, that would make him, like, one of the five most expensive players ever. Yeah. And he's a keeper who just didn't have a great season. That's not happening. But, um, you know, wonder wonder they might get into the um, into the waters with that. You know, there, there is talk about Premier League keepers maybe being on the move. Uh, I don't know if you were going to bring it up or not, but there's been a rumor that uh, Pep Guardiola wants to bring uh, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen to Man City, which would immediately make Joe Hart available. I I was not really going to mention too many more rumors. This was pretty much the last one, or the yeah. only one really we were going to do as far as the Premier League goes. Uh, but you can mention that, and I, I did see that. And, I, and I, say, I say that too because, you know, we've talked about how great Joe Hart has been. You know, I mean, here's the England number one. Guardiola coming in wants to make a move. Um, of course, good old who's always connected, good old Liverpool connected with Joe Hart. 
I mean, to me, that would be a fantastic move for Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, and and the thing with that is, I think I think City actually goes sideways with that move, and I think Liverpool improves. I I think Pep's doing Liverpool a favor that way. Uh, Liverpool definitely improves. I mean, the the plus side is a five year age gap. Yeah. Um, but for a keeper field, like. Well, well, I mean, you know, it, I mean, it is one thing to get a five-year younger guy. I mean, that that's nice. Uh, even though, you know, Hart, here's the thing. Joe Hart is in his prime. Um, Ter Stegen has not quite hit his prime yet. Um, but another thing, I mean, you're talking Joe Hart. You're talking a guy with gobs of Premier League experience. You know, Ter Stegen, who, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, Liverpool have been a big-time connection to Ter Stegen, obviously with the the German connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he would be another big improvement for Liverpool. But, um, you know, Joe Hart's going to give you a lot more league experience as well and might not have maybe the early hiccups that a new keeper could bring. So will we see keepers on the move? We'll, of course, have uh, a lot more transfer news to talk about uh, once once we hit the next couple weeks here and, and the rest of the matches are done. Of course, we'll also be talking plenty of uh, Euro 2016 and Copa America coming up at that point as well. Wes, we head to uh, Italy now, and uh, Juventus has said that within the next three weeks, we are going to make a decision on Paul Pogba, the man that has been linked to Chelsea. I guess, and also uh, PSG, Real Madrid, and Barcelona, uh, and of course, I guess, also potentially staying at Juventus. They're looking at, uh, right now, a transfer fee, Juventus is, of 100 million euros, which we talked about Courtois earlier. Maybe not so crazy for Pogba to try almost to drag in some of that money. Um, and of course, Juventus has uh, increased his wages over a million and a half euros already this season. Wes, I guess the only question really is, is, what are the odds that Pogba moves in these three weeks? Yeah, um, I, I think Juventus are being really smart to do that um, because a lot of teams are going to try to get their business done before Euro, if mm-hmm. at all possible. Because once the European Championships start, you're going to see a big-time slowdown. Of course, mostly on the European players, but uh, but don't forget, you know, Copa is also mm-hmm. going on this summer. So, you know, the South American players are going to also be, uh, you know, busy. Mm-hmm. So I think you could, you, know, you could see a slower middle of the summer than we usually do. <clears throat> As for Pogba, you know, Pogba is the great unknown. Yes. No one ever knows what the hell's going on with Pogba. Um, you know, we thought he was moving last summer. You know, 100 million euros, that's just shy of 80 million pounds. I believe that would be the most ever for a midfielder. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're going to pay it for anybody, he's probably the guy who's worth it. I mean, he's he's young, he's physical, he's fast. I mean, he, he has... He has literally all the tools to be the elite world midfielder for the next decade. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to go a little limbo and say he's going to spend at least one more year in uh, in Turin. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get one more, at least one more year out of him. Yeah, I would love to see Pogba be the guy who... I mean, because you're talking about Juventus. It's the biggest team in Italy. Mm-hmm. They are a massive... 
worldwide team. Arguably. Yeah, made the Champions League final last year and really were, were great this season. And unfortunately, in the round of 16, hit Bayern Munich. Yeah, I mean, you can win big. You can win a Champions League at Juventus. I would just, I would like to see some of these guys stick around. I mean, not not everybody has to go to fucking Real or Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Or, God forbid, the Premier League. So, um, I'd like to see him stay. And I think we're going to get at least one more year out of him. All right. Um, lastly, in the news and notes, uh, back to the Premier League. Uh, sort of, kind of, not really tangentially related now. Um, we do have an Adam Johnson update, everyone. Uh, apparently, <laughs> he, is, he has found that prison isn't all it's cracked up to be. Especially when you know you're famous and you also are a convicted child rapist. Um, it has been reported... Tell me, he didn't get one of those sweet white-collar prison sentences? No, apparently he did not. Uh, he was attacked in the showers at Moreland Prison, according to 90minute.com, uh, as they are reporting from the mail. Johnson refused to remove hair from one of the shower plug holes after another prisoner asked him to, and then Johnson threw out the immortal line, do you know who I am? Uh, now this his, his <laughs> fellow his fellow uh, inmate did not take too kindly to that, and then uh, pretty much beat the shit out of him. Whoops! And as uh, as the article says, it left the former Sunderland winger looking shaken. Well, that's what happens when you get the shit beat out of you because you act like a cunt in prison. Don't uh, drop the soap. Uh, it's also he uh, is also alleged to have told him to the. Uh, uh, Johnson told the uh, other inmate to fuck off before asking him, do you know who I am? Um, well, uh, I guess the only, I guess in all seriousness, I guess you have to hope that maybe Johnson learns his lesson, keeps his head down and serves the next uh, rest of these five <laughs> years and just shutting his mouth. Keeps his head down and his ass up. <laughs> oh, that's, oh. And have we ever spoken of Oz? Please don't talk about Rick Fox. <laughs> Love you, Rick Fox. Mary Vanessa Williams. Um, no, you know, Adam Johnson, uh, much like I just said about our good friend Mamadou Sako, you do the crime, you do the time. And unfortunately, his time is going to uh, have to include showering with men of low moral standards. Yes, especially if you don't do what they say and you are you are low man on the totem pole, Adam Johnson. Uh, just just you do know, what they ask uh, you to. I'm, Obviously, he did not go in there, find the biggest guy immediately, and beat the shit out of him. He did not. He got the sheet beat out of him. Did he not see the longest yard and what you're supposed to do? I doubt that's Ed, an English Ed, classic. Ed, oh, my God. Ed, I just had the greatest idea for a movie. A British version of The Longest Yard. The Adam Johnson story where he starts an inmate football team to play the guards. Didn't this happen? Wasn't this an actual movie, though? Like, it revolves around World War II and Pele scored a goal or something? Yeah, but that was more Prisoner of War. That was, uh, I think it was Victory. Had Sly Stallone in it. Yeah. But, I mean, think about it. You get the guards. Much like much like in the movie The Longest Yard, you know, they can be guys who were like, you know, those were college football um, guys who couldn't make it to the pros. You know, these can just be players who came through the Man United Academy. And Adam Johnson could lead the the prison uprising through the beautiful game. Oh, 
Ed, I think we could get funding. Guy Ritchie can make this movie. Oh, you love Guy Ritchie. Brad Pitt can be in it. In Bridge. Oh, God. It could be amazing. <sighs> Speaking of amazing, Wes, it's time we hit our other big story of the week. And for far too long, the NFL has been out of our sights. And, you know, this week, and for two stories we're not even really going to talk about, of course, we had the uh, the Ray Lewis Jr. following in his father's footsteps and and committing crimes, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. And then, of course, the, the much more serious, and all joking aside, the, the, the terrible story of, and you're going to have to help me remind me of the name because I don't actually have the article up here, uh, the, the former San Francisco 49er player who uh, allegedly uh, raped a, a person. Oh, Dana Stubblefield. Yes, Dana Stubblefield, who allegedly raped a, uh, a I, I guess, mentally challenged woman. <sighs> who, uh, not, not quite... Uh, developmentally challenged I believe is the term they actually used a woman who had come to apply for a job a position as a nanny um, and took her upstairs there's really no telling what that means because you know in today's America everyone is some kind of challenged apparently Dana Stubblefield is legally challenged apparently and morally challenged and is basically a cunt Um, so that's yeah, allegedly. Excuse me. Excuse me, Dana Stubblefield. You're allegedly a cunt. My bad. I'm no jury. Yeah. Oh, man, I wish. Um, let's not talk about that. Let, let's no, talk... Ed, because we have a new crop of fine, upstanding young men who just this past week have become NFL players and have immediately joined the fraternity of the numbskull. I can't wait for Warren Sapp to give them their uh, rookie day talk. Do you just want to take this story away? Because I, I just... I, yes, because you know I love this. Laramie Tunzel... It's a good story. Was, uh, ...was widely considered and graded the elite offensive tackle of this draft. He and his teammate were really good. <laughs> he and a lot of his teammates, I believe there were three first-rounders who went from Ole Miss... Uh, and they were basically the three guys who three years ago formed the nucleus of um, the, let's say, let's put it this way. They were the recruiting class that everyone started saying there's no way Ole Miss isn't cheating. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, we were right. Tunzel, Tunzel um, Laquan Treadwell, the wide receiver who went in the first round, and then uh, Robert Kimdichi who uh, – went at the back end of the first round who had his own character issues. <laughs> Tunzel only fell be or not Tunzel, uh, Treadwell fell because he didn't run a great 40, but he hasn't done any stupid shit that we know of. That we know of. Uh, Laramie Tunzel about, you say an hour, it was actually about 10 minutes before the draft started. Um, somebody, they're saying it was a, uh, a, uh, a, a scorned financial planner, uh, basically got into his Twitter account and tweeted a, I don't know if it was just a picture or a video. I believe it was a video. I believe it was a video, but um, it was of Laramie Tunzel, um, untimed, so we don't know when, obviously sometime during his college days, um, with a military-looking gas mask with a bong tape to the end of it. That was creative. And he was taking gas mask bong hits. Um, I'm not going to... I have personally seen one of these devices before in person. I did not partake. I did not inhale a green. That's good to know. Good to know. Um, 
but I have seen them. So there, you know, a lot of people. Oh my God, what kind of sinister person comes up with this device? Obviously, um, Al-Qaeda. Thirty years ago, a movie named Platoon came out. <laughs> won an Academy Award. There was a scene in there where a guy was wearing a gas mask, smoking pot. <laughs> so it's been in the American consciousness for a long time. And we've yeah. talked about. The, the the weed and we talked about it last year with Oregon and the guys that got suspended so we're 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 not really the moral police when it comes to weed weed is kind of that why does that turn into the hot button every year but anyway the the biggest thing with Tunzel is you've got him wearing this gas mask and from everything I've kind of gleaned from this that literally was the part that put off a lot of teams which is weird because the other side the other thing that came out is like way worse that press conference oh my god that was a train but, but anyway to, before we get to the press conference basically laramie tunzel goes from being a potential top five pick was definitely not gonna fall past baltimore at number six and then ends up going number 13 to the dolphins so it cost them um due to the nfl rookie pay scale it cost them approximately about seven million dollars that's a lot of money that's a lot of weed <clears throat> it is it is a lot of money, and especially with the way that NFL rookies are paid now. Yeah. You know, since they went to the pay scale about four or five years ago, you know, it's not just the wild, wild west, get what you can anymore. You are paid based on your positioning. No more and, Sam and Bradford's. Yeah, yeah. Sam Bradford was the last great $60 million quarterback who never deserved a quarter of what he got. Um Basically, you know what I think of Cam Newton. Basically, Sam Bradford got sixty million. Cam Newton got twenty-two million the next year. <laughs> Who deserved the sixty million dollar contract? I ask you. Neither. Oh well, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but you know, basically, Tunzel, you know, Baltimore did say that they they were absolutely planning to take him at six if he was there. They wanted offensive tackle. They ended up taking Notre Dame's Ronnie Stanley. And Tunzel ends up falling to the Miami Dolphins, and it is all based on this character thing. Even though I, um, I, I dare you to find many players in this draft who have not at some time or another smoked weed in college. And as we know, the Baltimore Ravens are a bastion of moral civility. But the Ravens had a fantastic draft. But anyway, uh, maybe the most epic fourth round in the history of the draft. Sure. But anyway, back to what we're talking about. Um <clears throat> but you know, once again, I really think I really think the fact that it was a gas mask, just the imagery, I believe, is what killed him. Because I mean, if 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 he if there had been a picture of him holding the joint, I don't think it would have caused nearly the uproar that this did. It was just because this was a so such a visceral image mm-hmm. that that caused it. But then, so that was just part one of his yes. really shitty night, right? Yeah. Because as you mentioned, then he had his rookie press conference. Alone. <laughs> oh my God. At which point he may have just put Ole Miss on probation. <laughs> Oops. I mean, the thing is, you know, once again, we talked about that recruiting class three years ago. A team at the time, University of Mississippi, I, I want to say Hugh Freeze had just finished his first year. They were a very low end of the spectrum sec team and all of a sudden they bring out uh or they bring in this recruiting class 
you know, Tunzel was the number one offensive tackle in the country. Robert Kimdiche was the number one defensive end in the country and the number one player in the country. Laquan Trevo was the number one wide receiver in the country. There were others. But, apparent, but you know, immediately, what does everybody say if you don't go to Alabama? Well, actually, if you do go to Alabama, too. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, they're getting paid. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just everybody's immediate reaction. Oh, they're paying him. How much do they pay him to go there? Well, Laramie Tunzel kind of said in his press conference, yeah, I was getting paid. <laughs> yeah. He, he was asked, he was asked, uh, the, the actual quote was, he was asked if he accepted money from almost head coach Hugh Freeze, to which he responded, quote, I would have to say yes. Well, now, I don't think they mentioned that it was Hugh Freeze. That's how it is according to this article. Okay, because I believe it was actually they were asking him about, um, uh, I thought they just said from a member of the Ole Miss coaching staff. Because, I mean, there have been texts that later came out, mm-hmm. screenshots of texts. It wasn't, it obviously was not Hugh Freeze. No head coach is going to mm-hmm. be the guy to do it. You always got to have a fall guy. Yeah, of course. Um, but it was somebody who was like in the football operations right. office. Um, but, I mean, there are texts, if they're confirmed to be real texts, of uh, him talking about, you know, hey, I need money for my mom's um, white bill. And, and I, I interpreted something in there as, you know, now to me, and this might be totally wrong, so I'm not going on full record saying it. I thought I read in there that um, they were telling him that there was an ATM and he knew the number for the ATM. Uh, let me let me check it because I believe I have the uh, the Instagram posts right here. <laughs> so let me take a peek. Brilliant, by the way. Yeah. It's a good way to not get caught ATM. until somebody stupid tells about it. And then the players get an ATM card and they just get their money when they need it. Which would be absolutely brilliant. And maybe I just kind of read that as coming over that way. Uh, but uh, I just, I thought that was... Uh, I thought we all agreed on an amount that number keeps changing. Maybe maybe that's what you thought ATM was. He wrote maybe, AMT and that number keeps changing I think means the amount. Yeah. Okay. And I do apologize. When I read this, it was that night after the draft, and it was about midnight, one in the morning. So I like I like this. He says, because uh, he's talking about his mom's light bill, as you mentioned. Tells the the person, it looks like John Miller. Uh, apparently, this person's name. Right. Yeah. Wow, for one month, yes, it includes water too. I thought we all agreed on an amount. That number keeps changing. Someone needs to explain exact cost. I have no way of handling surprise amounts. I mean, it's like 300 bucks. Come on, dude. Oh, man. Well, like you're not paying more than that. But, um, you know, at the time, and then Ole Miss over the last few seasons, of course, they've risen to national prominence. I mean, it's been a feel-good story, kind of. But now it's kind of feeling a little skeezy. Oh, of course. And Just of course remember, then, folks, never well, believe in people. You know, then Robert Kimdiche, who... Three years ago, coming out of high school, people were saying, God, if he could go straight to the draft, he, he could be the number one pick this year. Well, you know what? He went to Ole Miss. He played like a number one pick. And then, all of a sudden, he just completely, around October, just completely went off the rails, like, personally and with his actions. Mm-hmm. Got caught smoking uh, synthetic marijuana. Um, <clears throat> had some really bizarre statements in, uh, in some pre-draft interviews. Uh, including the fact that um, 
his first big purchase was going to be he was going to buy his own panther. <laughs> That's just awesome. Yeah. Um, That's a man who dreams big. Well, as, as, I, as I think I texted to you, obviously this generation has missed the two-year-old ESPN 30 for 30 called Broke. Yeah. <laughs> about yeah. athletes burning through all their money. <laughs> you know, you, you always hope, man, maybe maybe these guys watch this and they'll take it. Every single go, what ain't going to happen to me? Mm-hmm. That's right, because you're going to be the first one to lose all their money buying a Panther. <laughs> but, I mean, God, this is a guy who should have easily been the number one pick and end up going like 29th. So, uh, so I guess here's the question, you know, it, it also mentions in the article that uh, it came out yesterday. His stepfather, this is uh, Tunsil, uh, has fought a civil lawsuit against him saying that uh, Tunsil punched him repeatedly. Uh, and Tunsil claims he was defending his mother in this. But, you know, this is this is just more in the NFL. Is, is the NFL going to step in here and, and, and retroactively or I guess not retroactively isn't the right word. Uh proactively suspend him because of this this civil case don't think they can uh under the collective bargaining agreement i don't see how they could because all of this took place um he was not in the nfl yeah but they're just making all this up as they go along anyway well i mean you know goodell can do whatever the hell he wants well that's that's what i mean yeah um let's put it this way um i do believe that uh let's just say jared goff who went number one to uh to you know to um the Los Angeles Rams to play very good friend Todd Gurley. Yeah. I don't quite think that Roger Goodell is going to be scanning the uh police reports every day for Jared Goff. Quite like he might be for Laramie Tunzel at this point. Mm-hmm. I do believe there might be a quicker phone line to get to him over Tunzel than maybe Carson Wentz. <laughs> You know, I just, uh, I, think, I think Mr. Tunzel, you remember the movie, I don't know if you saw Animal House, knowing you, you probably didn't. Um, no, I saw Police Academy, sorry. Oh, a good one still, but uh, Animal mm. House, of course, the the uh, pop culture iconic words, double secret probation. No, I do know that, I do know that, yeah. Uh, I believe Laramie Tunzel may come into the league under double secret probation. <laughs> Oh, the league itself is under double secret probation. Was it over when the Nazis burned Pearl Harbor? Hell no. If you're if you're not if you're not under double secret probation, you're not a pro bowler. Yeah, there you go. That's 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 why everybody drops out of the pro bowl when they say, "Oh, be on probation." No, I don't want to be on probation. Oh man. Oh, what's not on probation though, Wes? Is watch four. What are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? And a show I haven't watched yet, but I plan on watching because uh, it's been getting fantastic reviews from the critics. They say it's maybe this generation's arrested development. Is it Brickleberry? Uh, uh, is it what? Is it Brickleberry? No, it's not Brickleberry, Aww. unfortunately, which has yet to return. Shocking. I don't know. Uh, maybe the whole um, Satan raping Jesus in the last episode may have come back to bite him. No, no, no. Anyway. Um, a show called The Grinder, which is uh, also on Fox. Uh, yes. Rob Lowe mm-hmm. um, has gotten really good reviews. I've read really good things about it. Unfortunately, I've just not been in the position to hop on a new show lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but with uh, you know, with the summer coming in, I'm going to have to find some stuff to watch. Uh, I, I'm, I'm in the process of switching over to Amazon TV myself. 
Uh, I have a friend who knows how to unlock Amazon TV stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and he can get you all the cool shows. Let's put it this way, Ed. I did put this, uh, I put a program on my cell phone. Mm-hmm. And um, if I want to, right now, I can whip it out and I can watch uh, Captain America Civil War. Oh, that's not fair. <clears throat> I can watch it right now, Ed. Uh, it's a great, great program. <laughs> but um, I, might, I might have to hit the grinder up. Um, it, apparently, it could be on the chopping block. Um, but a lot of fans, a lot of people have compared it to Arrested Development, which, of course, we know was a an epic comedy that, you know never really got the viewership numbers that it deserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping the grinder won't go the same direction, but uh, I've heard it's good and I plan to watch it. Oh, fantastic. I, I have heard a lot of good things about it. As you mentioned, Rob Lowe, uh, the guy from the Wonder Years. Don't... Uh, Fred Savage. Yes, Fred Savage. Um, he is, he is Older on... Savage, brother. Yes, he is on there as well. Uh, and, and like you, I've heard it was good. Uh, that and the, uh, the John Stamos show, Grandfathered, uh, both I've heard good things about. Um, so hopefully, hopefully Fox can you know settle on shows. It's not like Fox has ever canceled a critical darling show after one season or anything. Yeah, good job, Fox. God, still, still not happy about Firefly. And I'm still not happy about Almost Human either. So, fuck you, Fox. But hey, The Simpsons can get 27 years. That's that's fine. That's fine. Um, well, you kind of mentioned it. Uh, I will be watching most likely this Friday night, Captain America: Civil War, um, as what looks like most of the country will be as well. Uh, and hopefully, if if these the advanced reviews I've been reading, and thankfully haven't really been spoiled on anything yet, uh, it does not seem like it's going to be Batman versus Superman, and and. And Chris Evans, a.k.a. Captain America, is not going to come and shit in my mouth during the movie. So that's that's a good start. I've heard extremely good reviews on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I actually saw a headline today that said um, uh, Civil War is going to uh, be what shuts down DC. I don't know if going... I don't know if I'd say that much well uh, i mean I, I i guess maybe compared to what batman vs superman has done oh yeah it's um it's just going to absolutely blow it away i mean it might there 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 are probably going to be i think they actually said it set a record for for most pre-purchase tickets um i don't know exactly how specific that that is in in what it was competing against but uh it it has already set a couple records so and i think it's you know people are predicting i think over 200 million in the uh in the first weekend which you know wouldn't wouldn't totally shock me either i'm gonna give my money i'm gonna pay 25 bucks to go see it thank you one name technical field producer jackie for still having your college id from three years ago um Yay for saving money! Uh, but I'm very excited. I, I, as as you said, every review I've heard has has been has been in the range of really, really good to positively glowing. So I, I'm just very excited. And and there's a couple more Marvel movies coming out this year. And as far as I'm concerned, considering I don't watch the DC, considering the only Marvel show I watch is Agents of Shield, which is careening towards a season three conclusion and, and is just doing wonderful stuff right now I, i'm not on burnout i'm not going to get burned out because i don't care about the dc universe it can 
implode for all I care and apparently for all Zack Snyder cares as well and hey imploding to him would be probably the coolest and most metal thing ever and it'd be super dark then but uh, anyway I'm not gonna go on another Zack Snyder tangent the world doesn't need that you know what though Wes we are gonna have a tangent but it's not from me it's from you as we get so and as we currently do tonight's podcast, you know, usually I like to watch my my my, my European uh, cup hmm? matches while we're doing the show. But what I tell you tonight, well, hey, I pretty much watched uh, Atletico versus Bayern live anyway, and I'm not watching Ray Allen City. That Don't blame fun. you. So, Ed, I have the replay on right now of WWE Payback, which came to us this past Sunday night. And, Ed, um, I, I must say, uh, since WrestleMania, which I, I guess you could say I was a little underwhelmed with WrestleMania this year. Hmm, yeah. Um, since then, uh, you have seen over the last month a, a shift in the paradigm here of WWE, uh, you have seen a, a big push of the younger stars, uh, guys coming up from NXT. Um, I say younger in the fact of newer guys in the company because AJ Styles at age 38 is getting a massive push um, and is showing why he may be the best wrestler in the world. Mm. Um, payback was one of, if not the best, technical wrestling matches, storytelling shows I've seen definitely since I started back watching wrestling full time mm. um, and maybe going back a long way it was a great great show that uh, advanced storyline um, we had some big moments can I ask uh, you one really quick question go right ahead. are you going to explain what the hell Gort is Gort? It has been filling up my Twitter feed. Gort. G-O-R-T? Yep. Um, who's it been coming from? Um, multiple people. And and I, I have not gotten a fucking... It, it's just G-O-R-T capitalized. I'll, I'll try to search my Twitter feed right now as you keep talking to... to... Why don't you do that? Nothing's popping up to me what Gort is... I've been hashtagging uh, GB for life over the last few uh, times watching, but that's for the good brothers. Max Ferguson. I just want to yell that out. That, uh, was, uh, that was especially for you, of course, Ed Green. Thank you very much. Um, but anyway, Payback, just a fantastic pay-per-view. Um, got off to a, as bad a start as you can really imagine. Uh, opening match of the night on the pay-per-view. I don't count the pre-show matches. I don't care about those. Um, we have a, uh, our number our tag team title number one contender match going on. Uh, the Vaud Villains, who... I'll get to them in a minute. I've been really impressed with those guys, though. And I didn't think I would be. Um, they were taking on Enzo and Cass, uh, who are a really hot new tag team out of NXT. Uh, just a few minutes into the match, just when we were starting to get going, uh, Simon Gotch throws Cat, throws Enzo, who's the smaller of the two, and kind of is the ragdoll who takes most of the beatings. 
uh, was going for a spot where he threw him out of the ring. And you could kind of see the adrenaline running. Gotch throws him a little too hard, and Enzo runs face first. Yeah. He gets clipped face first uh, into the middle ring rope. And, folks, now when you say it's just a ring rope, folks, these things are steel cables wrapped. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, that's why that's why they get, like, that spring that you see where they jump off them and everything. Uh, when you're going that fast and you basically go face first into one while your body's going down, it... it it knocked him out cold as he went to the ground. Uh, he did end up going to the hospital that night. And uh, he was luckily, thank God, released uh, with a with a pretty severe concussion. Mm. Uh, he's out for at least the next month. Uh, but luckily, he is up moving around. He's, he's gotten himself home, and everything's good on that end. Uh, but a really, you know, a bad way to start off a pay-per-view. Well, they quickly made up for it because the next match was, um, you know, one of the two matches of the night. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. First time we've seen these two head-to-head on a pay-per-view. And um, WWE did a fantastic video package, which if you ever watch WWE, that's kind of like their thing. Mm -hmm. They do the greatest video packages ever. (laughs) You know, I mean, baseball, football, basketball, they would all like love to have video packages as well put together as WWE's, as I'm actually watching one right now. Um, but they basically went through this 14-year relationship between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn where, you know, like real life, they've traveled the world together. Um, they've been, you know, best friends for so long. And uh, it takes you back to NXT where suddenly everything fell apart. And now they they hate each other. Hey, Fave, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but this match has been one that they've been, you know, the WWE Universe has wanted. Um, Sami Zayn is kind of like the ultimate underdog. Kevin Owens is the bully. And they put on a fantastic match. Just went at it for a good 15 minutes. Owens ends up winning with a pop-up powerbomb. Um, this was kind of chapter one of what this is a rivalry that could go on for years you know obviously you do it off and on you don't go straight through with them the whole time mm-hmm. but um, it's just uh, it's a very good one and it's, it's a very good first chapter if you ask me I loved it um, for the next match the fun, the fun started when Kevin Owens decided he was going to stay out and do commentary I'm a big Kevin Owens talking fan because he is, I mean, he's pretty much like the biggest asshole on earth. Yay. Out of his character. Um, But he's hilarious when he gets on a bike. Um, He's hilarious by being an asshole. You know, and uh, so he was on, uh, he was on commentary for the next match. It was the Intercontinental title match between the the Miz and Cesaro. Another really good match. Miz was a guy who about a year ago I didn't care if I ever saw again, but then he had a he had a really good character reinvention of his own. Um, you know, he 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 got his Hollywood persona, um, and he's really taken off. He's really entertaining. His wife Maurice, his real life wife Maurice Oulet, uh, who is a former Divas World Champion, has been gone for about four or five years. She's back. She is. Seriously, one of the most stunning women I've ever seen in my life. Um, she plays a complete biatch. 
which just makes you hate the Miz even more because A, his wife's a bitch, but B, his wife is like better looking than everybody else's wife. But, you know, you obviously hate him for that reason because his wife's so hot. Um, Cesaro is kind of doing this like 007 gimmick right now mm. um, where he uh, he wears a suit down to the ring and then rips it off really quick. It's kind of cool. Um, but he, he's interesting. He's been coming up. He came off a pretty long-term injury uh, right after WrestleMania, right back into an intercontinental title picture. Um, they have a really good match. And then at the end, Owens and Zayn end up um, – costing Cesaro the match because they start fighting again uh, and now it looks like we're on our way to a fatal four way at the next uh, pay-per-view which is Extreme Rules uh, looks like we're on our way to a fatal four way between those four guys for the uh, Intercontinental title which is going to be really good because all four of them are working at a really high level right now um, skip a few matches uh, Ambrose and Chris Jericho was fantastic just brutal and Chris Jericho once again he plays such an asshole and plays it so well when he when he comes in and wants to be a bad guy he he's just he's elite level of being able to control a match control tempo and control a crowd mm-hmm I mean, when a crowd hates Chris Jericho they despise Chris Jericho just does the these little things just these little things that make it come across. Um, they had a really good match. Ambrose ended up winning. Jericho then threw a hissy fit after the match, which just made you hate him even more. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, very very good women's match. They had a very bad ending to it, so I'm not even going to get back into that. Uh, main event of the night. I'm about to watch it again right now. I've got it in front of me. Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles. He's the, redeemed. Uh, World Heavyweight Championship, and it um, a lot, you could this could be match of the night, or you could say Owen Zane was match of the night. I will say this though, it is the best singles match I've ever seen Roman Reigns have. He's redeemed. Well, Everything's that, fine <laughs> now. Well, now here's the deal, Roman Reigns. When you give him an elite level opponent. Roman Reigns can be really good. The thing is, when you ask Roman Reigns to carry a match, that's where he still has a lot of work to do. Now, here's the deal. He's facing AJ Styles. As I said earlier, AJ Styles may be the best wrestler in the world right now. AJ Styles, absolutely. Now, he carries this match. Don't get me wrong. Roman does his part. Styles absolutely carries this match. And for his first, you know, really high-profile pay-per-view match, AJ Styles 101% delivered. Um, fantastic match, you know, one of the one of the better matches we've seen this year in WWE. Um, we have some schmaltz to it. Um, one time Styles actually wins via countout, but of course, if you win by countout, you don't win the title. Shane McMahon comes out, oh, you know, uh, that's not how we're gonna do things. You know, start the match, no countout. A little later, Styles is coming off the the top rope. It looks like Roman's going to punch him in the stomach, and the referee calls a low blow, disqualifies Roman. So once again, Styles wins, but the title doesn't change. Out comes Stephanie McMahon, who says, no, no, this is now a no-disqualification match. So we restart one more time, 
and all this just kind of adds to it, you know, because you're like, well, shit, you know, every time he keeps getting a chance, maybe Styles will win. Um, we get uh, the Good Brothers. Uh, they don't really have a team name yet, but as you know, hashtag GB for life, that's the Good Brothers. Carl Anderson, Doc Gallows, they come out. Uh, they beat the shit out of Reigns for a while. Um, the Usos come out to save Reigns, so those two have it going. Um, they're just at the at the penultimate end of this match. Uh, Reigns flies over the top rope, takes out the whole group of guys down there. Styles does his uh, flying forearm two or three times, and it's just amazing. He does a front uh, 450. Um, after hopping up on the ring rope, it's just, it's an absolute clinic of um, high impact wrestling. At the end, Reigns uh, hits him with a spear. One, two, three, Reigns retains. Reigns retains. Um, in, a, in a really good match. Um, next night on Raw, uh, we have more confrontation between them. And uh, basically now, they have decided that we're going to get a rematch, Reigns, Styles, at Extreme Rules, which is our next pay-per-view. Payback. Payback. May 22nd. Well, this was Payback. Next is Extreme Rules. It's Payback for Payback. Payback for Payback. There you go. Um, But only about a three-week build-up to this pay-per-view, so you're actually getting a really quick turnaround, um, not changing many storylines. Extreme Rules, you'll get stipulation matches. You'll get no disqualification. You'll get table matches. You'll get a ladder match, probably. You'll get a lot of different things in Extreme Rules. Um, so I'm already looking forward to it. Of course, I now realize that uh, when me and the boy go to Raw in a couple of weeks, um, that will be the go-home show for Raw mm. or for Extreme Rules. So I'm looking for some fireworks that night in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um of course, Ed, that will be the uh, that will be the meat of my wrestling sandwich for that week. Mm. Where in a, uh, in a in about a, a seven to eight day span, of course, I will see WWE twice, and of course, Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling coming to Nash Central. It's the best. Um, which uh, which you may be accompanying me to me with. No, I think they can only get you one ticket. So I'm sorry, Ed. I need two tickets because you got to go with. Gives one ticket. Nobody wants to go by themselves. That's horrible. We'll discuss this later. All right. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, that is so raw. It was. Uh, I can tell you, folks, it's been a good last month of wrestling, and um, I really think they're moving in the right direction. And for a couple years, I haven't really been able to say that. That's not too bad. Some some new script writers have, have infused some new lifeblood into it. Had become a bit of a stale product, and hopefully, they can keep it up for just another month but that is going to do it for so raw and that is going to do it for this episode of the a foreign affair podcast we one more time would like to thank ngsc sports and ngscsports.com where we never stop but unfortunately this podcast is about to uh, you can visit them on the twitter at ngsc sports on a twitter we are as a collective at afa pod wes you are at West Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. You can also find us via our sister show, the All New Sports Show, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Mail us letters and parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. And lastly, we'd like to thank all our great podcast distribution services, including Podbean.com, the iTunes Music Store, Spreaker, Stitcher Radio, uh, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, and a much, much 
more. So Wes, anything else to add before we get out of here? Uh, in local news, folks, when it rains, it pours. If we just cancel baseball tournaments, no Big East tournament this year. Womp womp. Sorry, Rocky Mountain, you won't win this conference tournament. Damn. But they won the damn conference. That's all that matters. They're the number one seed. <laughs> Another West prediction coming true: that four losses would win the conference in baseball. <laughs> What an amazing baseball season. Uh, and this has been an amazing episode of the Foreign Affair podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here this week. When next we talk, we'll be one step closer to the end of the Premier League and one step closer to telling you who is in the European uh, Europa League final. Uh, so from a colleague in crime, Wes Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next week. Good night, Madrid, because you guys are having the best of time. They're, they're having a party. Are they having a bigger party than Jamie Vardy? Who's Jamie Vardy? Why, why, why do we always become Irish when we do that? Not as Irish. Oh, it's just a weird Jamie Vardy night. There it is, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSE Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSE Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSE Sports. We never stop.